What are you clinging to this morning? What are you holding on to tightly? You know, this evening we have a homemade ice cream supper after church. And with uh, people like Josh and Zach there, cling to your ice cream bowl tightly. Cling to it tightly. But maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or uh, a child or a parent. You know, psychologically or physically, we have things in our life that we hold on to, whether we admit it or not, whether we realize it or not. And in Hebrews 13 this morning, Hebrews 13, if you have your Bibles, I want us to look at really and truly the only thing that you need to cling on to. Man, love a lot of things, certainly love people, embrace them, uh, realize how precious they are, but... There's only one thing ultimately we need to cling to, and here's, here's the first and fundamental reason why almost everything in life will fail you. It can fail you or let you down. I, I put can there because certainly not everything will or not everyone certainly will desire to, but the truth of the matter is, is almost everything and everybody in your life, in my life, has the potential to disappoint us and to not be there for us when we need it. I'm going to walk through a, th- a few things that you may be clinging on to this morning and kind of let you see how the reality of clinging on to these things is not a smart thing to do. Money and things disappear, folks. Money and things can disappear. In verse 5, listen to what he says. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Listen, now he doesn't say money's evil there. Nowhere in the Bible does it say money's evil. It says the love of money is what gets us in trouble. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. When this letter was written, we looked looked a few weeks ago on Sunday night back in, in Hebrews. The Hebrew Christian people were already being persecuted. They were already losing their money because they follow God. Some of them were having their house and their possessions taken because they were following God. Some of them were uh, even beginning to suffer. We're going to see that tonight and being persecuted for following God. So they understood, whoa, if we love and we hang on to our checkbook and our money and our credit card and our house and our toys... That can be taken from us pretty quick. And in fact, the fall of Jerusalem that I talked about about four weeks ago on Sunday morning, one of the most devastating events ever happened in a few years after this book was written. And these people were fixing to see their temple and their city completely destroyed. And it's in this context, God said, listen, if you're hanging on to your toys If you're hanging on to your homes, if you're holding on to your possessions and your checkbook, and that's what you love and you cherish more than anything else, you are setting yourself up to be terribly disappointed at some time. Most of you know who Vince Young is. Vince Young was a quarterback, played for the University of Texas, the Longhorns, a tremendous college football player. He was the second in the Heisman Trophy voting if you don't know what that means, it means he was, he was by the, at least a lot of the writers, they said he was the second best football player in 2005. He was an All-American. He led Texas to the national championship that year in 2005. He was the third person picked in the NFL draft. If you don't know what that means, that means you get a lot, a lot, a lot of money. 
And it's easy now because his career's not been very good the last few years. Like, well, he didn't have a great NFL career. He had a good NFL career for a while. P- played in two Pro Bowls. That's like the all-star game of the NFL. Then he's had some problems. He didn't play last year. It's estimated in his career, he started playing in 2006. So over about five or six years, he made $34 million. How many of you in the last five years have made 34 mil? And if you have, you have not been giving to this church at least. It's, it's estimated on top of that he made another $30 million in endorsements. But last month, a judge in Houston ordered him to begin to auction off his memorabilia because he had a $1 million loan he could not pay off. In other words, he's had to declare bankruptcy. $64 million has gone through his hands in about six years. Probably a lot of reasons why that's disappeared. But I tell that story to tell you, folks, if you are clinging to your money and you're saying, you know what, man, I've got this security and this security and, and I'm going to be great and, and I'm going to retire and I'm going to be, everything's going to be wonderful. I hope that's true and you should be smart with your money. But if you're holding on to your toys and your checking account and your, your savings, as the, that is the thing you are putting your life hope in, is a great chance you're going to be terribly disappointed. Here's the second thing. Careers, man, careers and jobs can disappear. You know, for years, probably for for thousands of years, men have found their fulfillment in their career. And I think in the last 40 or 50 years in America, that's kind of also evolved to women. A lot more women work outside the home. And so it's easy to find your, your identity in what you do. And listen, it's great to love what you do. You should find where God wants you to be, and you should be involved in that and embrace that role. But if your job is... It's what you are building your life on. You can be terribly disappointed at some point. Do you know who, the, who George Zimmer is? Not George Zimmerman. Everybody in here knows who George Zimmerman is. George Zimmer, does that ring a bell with anybody? You will. I want you to see this commercial. You'll, you'll know who he is quickly. Well, the world has changed. Suits have changed. The question is, have you? You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Doesn't he have a great voice? He could have been the mafia or a preacher, couldn't he, with that? I guarantee it. I guarantee it. George Zimmer founded Men's Warehouse. He created it 40 years ago. He was the creator of Men's Warehouse. He got fired this summer from Men's Warehouse. Folks, that's not how it's supposed to work, is it? If I create a church, start a church, and it's Craig Baptist Church, I don't want you to fire me. He got fired. Folks, stories like that happen all the time. Man, love your work. Find out what God wants you to be doing. But if that's what you are investing your identity in, it can disappear quickly. Here's the third thing. And this is sad, man. Other things that are precious to us can be gone quickly. Again, to go back 2,000 years ago, these people were losing their homes, their money. They were beginning to be persecuted. Their family and friends were beginning to separate from them. There was, there was beginning to be problems. Things that were precious to them were beginning to disappear. What is it that you're clinging to in your life besides God today? You know, your health is a pretty important thing, isn't it? Would you agree with that? Sure it is. Your health's important. 
How many of you remember Christopher Reeve? You remember Christopher Reeve? You remember who he was? That was, uh, that, that was a picture when he was a young man. You know, he played Superman, uh, tall, good-looking, uh, you know, well-built. And, uh, you, you know, he was, uh, he was a great actor. He was well-known. He had an accident one day. Let's look at the picture after the accident. He was riding horses. He rode horses a lot, loved to ride horses. He'd fallen off horses probably 200 times. He fell off a horse one day, and he happens to break his neck right up here at the very tip top uh, of his uh, spinal cord, and he never the rest of his life, he's now deceased, never the rest of his life did he shake anybody's hand, did he clap, did he put his hands together, did he walk, did he move, he lived with a, uh, a respirator that quick. Should you cherish your health? Absolutely. Should you understand that your health can be gone in a heartbeat? If you're wise, you should. Folks, here's the fourth thing most of us in this room know. People, listen, people will fail us and let us down. I'm going to say this verse a lot this morning. It says, God will never fail you nor forsake you. Here's the truth. People will. You know, here's a really yucky thing that you can, you can sometimes be really good friends with a person and three years from now you don't even talk anymore. And sometimes you don't even know why. People change. Things happen. Relationships go sour. People were involved with your business for years. Now they use somebody else and it hurts and it stings. And it especially hurts when you've invested yourself in those people and you feel close to them and now they're not in your life anymore. And some of us, we're so invested in clinging to other people that we're stunned when this happens, but it's going to happen. And the fifth thing is, is a little bit different take on the people side of it. Listen, people, people will, will move out of our lives. They'll move out of our lives. What do I mean by that? I, I mean that sometimes people just physically move. Sometimes people who are in Ruston today or in, at your school or in your neighborhood or who you're close to, they may not be here five years from now. They may not be here two years from now. Sometimes they have health problems. In my, my own family, my mother's health is getting to where it's, it's hard to have that relationship we once had. It's sad, but that's part of life. And, and, you, know, and you know, this is terrible. People die. You love people. You're close to people. They don't want to die. You don't want them to die, but people die. Several years ago, it was 2004, the pastor at Temple Baptist then was a guy named David Willits. David and I were good friends. It was a spring. It was a Thursday afternoon in April. Uh, I think maybe it was February, but David, uh, David was at home. His wife and daughter had gone to Oklahoma City. She was going to enroll in school in college that next fall up there at Oklahoma Baptist. David gets a knock on the door. It's a policeman. And sometimes police come to, to ministers' homes because, like, one of y'all's in jail and we need to go get you out or something like that. And so he didn't really think anything about it until they handed him a sheet of paper and said, we're very sorry uh, that we have to give this to you. And he read that his wife and daughter had been killed in a car wreck. And a family of four went to a family of two in the blink of an eye. You see, you need to love and cherish the people in your life but ultimately, here's what I want to tell you this morning. Only Jesus will never fail you nor forsake you. Folks, only Jesus will never fail you nor forsake you. Look, again, a lot of people don't want to leave you. Your pets don't want to die. None of us want to lose our health or our things. But here's a very important truth. 
is that Jesus is the only one we can always count on. Let me give you two thoughts on this. One, Jesus will always, always be there. He's going to always be there. Look in verse 5 with me. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In the Greek language of the New Testament, that word never used twice is a double negative. It's like, it's like God is wanting to say, I want you to know it is impossible. I am never, ever, ever going to step out of your life. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to leave you behind. You're never going to walk and, and look and go, where's God? Where's Jesus? He, did he go to the restroom? Did he leave? Did he, he goes with somebody else? It's never going to happen. It's impossible for God to desert us. Is that not awesome? The people you love the most and who love you the most may not be here next year. But here's what the promise God says. God says, I will never fail you for, nor forsake you. These people were losing, again, their homes, their possessions, their friends. Some of them were beginning to lose their health. God looked at them like he looks at you and me today and says, you may lose everything, but you will never, ever lose me. Here's the second part of this. God is utterly dependable. I love verse 8. I love verse 5, too. I'll never fail you nor forsake you. But look in verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Folks, other people will let us down. Other people will fail us. Other people will be gone. But here's what Jesus said. I am not going to change. The Greek people in the, the society that this was written in, they valued consistency as much as anything else. And folks, consistency is a beautiful quality. Here's what God says about himself to you and me. I am utterly dependable. Earlier in Hebrews, it says it's impossible for God to lie. Impossible for God to lie. So the God that was in Exodus and the God that was in Matthew is the God that is with you and me today. I'll never leave you. I'm never changing one ounce or one bit. How many of you like faithfulness and dependability? Only the intelligent like faithfulness and dependence. You know, when you're looking for a spouse, you know, hey, I don't, you know, if you cheat some, that's okay, as long as it's not a lot. No, we want someone, we need people in our life that are faithful and dependable. How many of you, if you were going to bungee jump, would want that company to be dependable? I want to show you a video in just a second. A young lady named Erin Longworth, she was from Australia. She went to Zambia, Africa, and, and she was touring around, and she comes to this place at the Zambezi River. Let me, let me clarify, the crocodile-infested Zambezi River. And they have a bungee jump company. Everybody here knows what bungee jumping is. And their record was, we've been open for 10 years. We do about 50,000 bungee jumps a year, and we've never had one problem. Now, before I show you this, I want to let you know this girl is fine today, okay? But watch this, this great record of this company. Snap. Do you remember I said crocodile-infested river? Uh, the great news is, is that she went spent a few days in the hospital. She was, she's fine. She's fine now. And I'm sure she's very wealthy after she sued uh, the uh, Zambezi River Bungee Company for everything they've ever made in their whole life. Folks, if you're going to bungee jump, do you want them to tell you, well, we've only had one accident. Would you want that? 
I'm going to say, honey, you go first. Ladies first. (laughs) No, you don't want that. Here's the news about God, man. God bats 1,000. God gets a hit every time he comes to the plate. If you're putting your hope and faith in people, you're going to be let down. If you're putting your hope and faith in your, your savings account, you do not know what the future holds. If you love your home, that's awesome. Man, God forbid, it may be gone in a week. You love your health, that's awesome too. That can be gone quickly. But God looks you in the face this morning and he says, I'm not going anywhere and I'm not going to change one ounce in your life. And here's my big challenge for you this morning. It's, man, live and dwell in this truth. Live and dwell in this truth. Folks, this is the Word of God. This is true. This is right. And you and I need to sink our heads and our hearts and our teeth into it. And we need to embrace this. Let me give you a few thoughts on this. One, man, you can live without fear of the unknown because of these truths. Man, they had a lot of unknowns in their life. These people did. Again, losing everything. The city of Jerusalem was fixing to be ransacked. The temple destroyed. Everything in their world was fixing to be turned upside down. But God gave them some promises. God says, look, no matter what happens, I will never leave you. And I'll never change. And your life today is uncertain. Some of you know that today. Some of you are dealing with the uncertainty of the future. And you don't like how it looks. There's changes coming. There's going to be things that you don't know what's going to happen. But, folks, if your hand's in God's hand and he's promised to walk with you every step of the way, and at no point is he going to say, I'm just not the same God I used to be. You can face the unknown victoriously with God walking with you every step of the way. Here's the second thing. Man, you don't have to live with fear in fear of other people if God's with you. Verse 5 again, God will never fail you nor forsake you. Look in verse 6. It's a great verse too. So I say with confidence, with boldness and assurance, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The word helper there is a verb which literally meant military reinforcements. In other words, what this is saying is, it's saying, look, God is God comes with strength and power to your aid. Well, I don't know how those people are going to treat me. Well, people may hurt you. They may talk about you. But nobody can take your character or your soul from you. And God says no matter what you're facing, you've got someone with you who's going to protect you, protect you in your most important places that no one can harm. When I was growing up, I had a friend named Carl. He's still my friend, close, close friend. We've been friends for going on 40 years now. Carl was two years older than me. Carl was the toughest guy in our high school. Carl was big. It's always good to be friends with the toughest guy in the high school, right? Especially when it's an older guy that other people are afraid of. And none of us were Christians back then. And so Carl was the tough guy. And when I was caught with Carl, my bulletproofness went up about 80%. You know why? Because I was with Carl. And people weren't going to mess with Carl. And I could say something and get behind Carl. (laughs) And God's with you. 
How would it change your life if you lived and you meditate on the fact everywhere you go, here's God beside you? I want to tell you the last thing. You would live with confidence. You would live with confidence and freedom. When you really live with the facts that God is with you, God is in you, God's unchanging, God's not moody, God's not having a bad day or a bad week. And then if you go to the left, he's going with you. You go to the right, he's going with you. He may not like where you go sometimes, but he's going with you. That would change the way we lived. Indian tribes in our country had a lot of, a lot of different customs for, for boys when they were transitioning to be men. And this one particular tribe that I read about, there was about eight steps, and the final step was the most difficult. Now, remember, in a lot of those tribes, a boy became a man at 12. So this is not like an 18-year-old well-trained Marine. This is a kid, a a young person, and uh, a young boy to, to become a man. And so the last step was the boy had to walk two or three miles out from the village, out into the woods with nothing but his bow and arrow, and spend the night. And if he was able to stay the whole night without running back into the village or obviously being ripped apart by a pack of wild wolves or killed by other Indian tribes, then he had crossed the final threshold to being a man. So this boy, 12 years old, goes out with his bow in his air right as it's beginning to get dark. He walks two or three miles, and he gets in kind of a valley, probably not a good place to be, but he gets down in there, and he creates a little fire, and he sits all night just, as you can imagine, scared. Every time a twig breaks, you know, he thinks it's a wolf or he thinks it's another Indian from an enemy tribe coming to kill him. He hears the wind blows through the leaves. He knows it's the bad people, the bad spirits. He doesn't sleep at all. And finally, as the sun begins to come up, he sees sitting on a hill not far from him a figure. He can't make out what it is. He doesn't know if it's a bear or if it's an enemy tribes person, but he's terrified because he knows that he's going to be killed if it's a bear or if it's an enemy. So he has this little bow ready, and he keeps watching with tears in his eyes, watching that figure, watching that figure. And as it gets lighter and lighter and lighter, he finally makes out that's his dad his dad and the daylight breaks and the little boy runs to his dad and he hugs him and he said daddy thank you so much for coming to get me this morning it's been a terrible night but now I don't have to walk back by myself thank you for coming and get me this morning and the dad looked at him funny he said what do you mean coming to get you this morning he said I've been here all night he said do you think I would let you sit out in the dark By yourself all night, son. I've been sitting up there with my bow ready, watching you from every angle to make sure you were safe. Guys, I want to tell you, you can't see Jesus. And many of you are saying today, I don't feel Jesus. But I want to tell you, he's there. When it's dark, when it's tough, when it's hot, when it's hard, He's not just going to walk you home someday. He's going to walk you through the journey today. Let's pray. 
If you're a Christian, man, what a great truth to embrace and what a great truth to, to make a decision to live out in your life. If you're not a Christian, man, it's time to give your life to Christ. You've got a God who loves you so much. Give your life to him today. Pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son and that you died for me and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart today. And this morning, I give you my life. Let me have your attention for a second. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. And when we do...